What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to another episode of The Degenerate here on our series of Arrowhead Live podcast. I am Johnny Kane. Joining me, as always, Dustin Gosa. Dustin, more good news since the last time we've had an episode. Chris Jones, he has signed his contract, a four-year, $85 million deal. Also, Pat Mahomes locked his contract up. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So the two premier players that the Chiefs were trying to lock up here in the offseason, get that job done, and now the Chiefs looking like that they are obviously the Super Bowl favorites after winning it a year ago, but I think almost now they're looking like the four and away favorites heading into next year. Yeah, and it was always solid when you lock up your number one player on offense and arguably your number one player on defense. You know, uh, like you said, it, that was almost mandatory to lock up uh, Chris Jones with that contract or at least work something out with him because we knew he wasn't happy sitting there with a franchise tag. He wanted Aaron Donald money and, and he got it. And it's well-deserved, well-paid, and I'm glad he's going to be a chief for the next couple of years. Yeah, $60 million guaranteed in that contract. Obviously, wanted to get to 63, so he took a little bit of a pay cut. But for the most part, Chris Jones got exactly what he wanted. And now for the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at it in good shape heading into next year. And obviously, Chris Jones talked about his contract, getting that done. He even said that Pat Mahomes had texted him after he signed his deal and said, you know, hey, I left some money on the table. Let's go get your deal done. So the Chiefs seem like the team right now. They don't care about, obviously, they're going to get their money when they need it and when they deserve it. But at the same point, there's guys, they're going to do whatever it takes to try to keep this band together for a couple of years. Yeah, and like we talked about with Patrick Mahomes, you know, taking a, a pay cut, you know, he's wanting to keep that offense around and keep those weapons coming. I mean, as much as Kansas City wants to as well. But with, uh, you know, him texting Chris Jones saying, hey, I left a little bit of money on the table for you. That's outrageous to me thinking, you know, this guy got a $500 million contract and there was still more money to give him. And he said, no, I want to build my defense up. I want to keep my defense around. So I, I, I thought that was great of, of Pat and sh- truly showing that he's a team player. And I think he'll continue to make a couple of those uh, pay cuts here down the line, especially if we keep going to, you know, AFC championship games or even to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, instead of $490 million guaranteed, only 477 for Pat. So, you know, just what if what a friendly guy he is leaving that money on the table for Chris Jones. But, yeah, no, like you said, nonetheless, it's, the Chiefs get the goal done for this offseason. Brett Veach, I, I put, tweeted out a couple weeks ago, they need to build a statue for him outside of Arrowhead, just the job he has done with this team, leading him to the Super Bowl, and then signing Pat Mahomes to the contract, now Chris Jones as well. Brett Veach is starting to look like one of the best GMs in the National Football League. Yeah, and when you talk about, you know, Andy Reid, if you want to put him in the coach of the year category every year, I really think that goes back to the general manager. Uh, like you were saying, Brett Veach, he doesn't get enough credit, especially for the people outside the Chiefs Kingdom who don't know and don't understand him. You know, when we had Dorsey, we kind of had those back-ended problems where we were giving players, you know, these uh, back-loaded contracts to where we couldn't afford to keep the good players around. And now Veach is finding a way to, you know, keep our best players with us for a long term, whether they have to take a, you know, short term, back ended, whatever they have to do, he's keeping them around and it seems like they want to stay in Arrowhead and playing for the Chiefs. So those have been the two big stories in the last couple of weeks from the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, the offseason, not a whole lot else to talk about with the Kansas City Chiefs, but we'll move in forward as we get closer to hopefully the regular season. They announced today that there is going to be no preseason games this year, which is obviously a great thing. They get to deal with the Players Association and the National Football League to get things started. So the Chiefs rookies set to report to camp. So that's a good thing coming up for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk more about that as the next couple of months roll along and we get closer into the 2020 NFL season. Also, big story this week, Major League Baseball is back. 
The opening day of the 2020 season will come on Thursday. The first games, the Yankees and Nationals will meet up, and then also the Giants and Dodgers, the only two scheduled games on Thursday, and then a full slate on Friday. But Dustin, it's hard to believe baseball finally here. Seems like really for the most part, testing has gone well with everything in the COVID pandemic and everything the NF or the Major League Baseball has tried to do. So for the most part, it seems like Major League Baseball in a really good spot here heading into Thursday. Yeah, I think they've took every precaution to make sure that they can start on time. And uh, like we talked about right before this, this is one of the more exciting weeks we've had here on Arrowhead Live because we do have sports coming back. And they're not little by little. It's not just golf or just MMA. We have a bunch of stuff right on the table. And MLB is really, um, you know, taking the taking the lead here. And we're going to see how the, the season starts off. We're going to see what teams start off hot, what teams are a little shaky, especially in a 60-game season. We're going to have to figure out, you know, what these teams are looking like and especially looking at their over-unders, you know, uh, if there's anything you're looking at, we, know, we might be able to touch on it here in the next couple weeks or so. Also, NBA coming back here in a week or so as well. But, yeah, as you talked about Major League Baseball, let's take a look, quick look at some over-unders, just a couple of them, because we won't get too far into it, because that's obviously a tough thing to look at when it's only a 60-game season. But the two far-and-away favorites, obviously, the Dodgers of the National League, the Yankees, in the American League, both are at 37.5 wins for their over-unders. But the Dodgers, they're even minus 112 on both sides. But for the Yankees, the over is at minus 106. The under is at minus 118. The Yankees are a team, though, that they're very interesting. It's They they're, have a obviously a great lineup with Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, the likes of those two guys, and also some of the younger guys like Luke Voigt being thrown into that lineup as well. But the pitching staff, adding Garrett Cole in the offseason, that's a big acquisition for the Yankees, I think obviously the Yankees, you got to look at them as a favorite. That over under 37 and a half wins, though, a 60 game season, that's probably one of the bigger ones that's up in the air. The Dodgers, I think the Dodgers are going to go well over 37 and a half wins. I think they're going to steamroll through this season. It just seems like the Dodgers have everything in place after coming off of last year's deep run as well. But, Dustin, I, don't, I know you don't do a ton with Major League Baseball, but just looking at those two numbers, 37 and a half wins in a 60 game schedule. Yeah, 37 and a half is kind of hard because when you look at it in a 60-game schedule, you're saying, you know, two out of every three wins. I mean, two out of every three games is a win. And uh, like you were saying with the, the Dodgers, I can see them steamrolling, especially with how, you know, they're going to be one of those teams that are real, real mad about the, the Houston Astros. And I think they're going to take that to heart this year. And you also talk about the Yankees. I think they're going to be the same way. And adding, the, adding to that pitching staff, Garrett Cole, he's been one of my favorite pitchers in the league ever since he was playing with Pittsburgh. Um, so I really think, you know, that's going to be one of those things where it's going to determine the first two weeks of the season. I know you can't bet the, the over-unders on that afterwards. So if you think they're going to start off hot, if you look at their schedules and think they're going to, you know, start off real hot, I think it's a solid bet, especially with the Dodgers. The Yankees, I'd have to do a little bit more research to see what their first week or two in the season uh, is going to look like and try to project that out. But uh, like you said, the Dodgers, I can see that flying under, and I can see the Yankees being right there real close to a top spot in the AL. Also, the Houston Astros, they're up there. 35.5 is their over-under set, minus 112 on both sides. The Astros, after seeing them, these two exhibition games they played against our Kansas City Royals, the Astros, they look like they have a complete, complete team. Their bullpen is the only thing that's questionable heading into the year, but they have some guys that they threw out there this the last couple of days against the Kansas City Royals in these two exhibition games. They have some good stuff. So their lineup, you look at their starting rotation as well. They get McCullers back after he missed last year. That's a big addition for that Astros starting lineup. At 35 and a half, that might be one that you look at taking the over on just for the simple fact 
of the Astros. They're going to have a fairly fa favorable schedule as well. So Houston at 35.5, that's probably a pretty good one I look at. Is taking the over on, minus 112 again on both sides, the over and the under. And then we'll take one more final look at, of course, our hometown Kansas City Royals. Only 23.5 for the Royals over under this year. That might be one you might take over as well. It's minus 114, so obviously a few people are looking at that number as well. The under is minus 109. But the Kansas City Royals, 23.5. They have a good lineup. We know that. They're going to score runs. They were at near the tops in the Major League Baseball last year. They averaged about six runs a game. It's just the pitching that let them down a lot last year. And it's the only tough thing that you look at the Royals these first couple of weeks are going to be so crucial, as you just mentioned a little bit ago, Dustin. It's even more crucial for the Royals because they're not going to have two of their normal starting rotation guys in there, Jacob Junis and Brad Keller. So the Kansas City Royals, that's it is questionable. I, I want to say take the over with the 23-and-a-half because, I mean, that's a lot of losses in a 60-game schedule. But having two of your top starting rotation pitchers out for the first couple of weeks of the season, that, that kind of makes you a little worrisome heading into the season. I agree, and I think it's going to be one of those things where you have to look at these teams and decide what they're going to do with their pitching staff. Like you said, the Houston Astros, their bullpen is, is kind of struggling right now, but with a 60-game season, can you afford you know to leave those starters in for a longer period of time? And then you look at the Kansas City Royals, you know, you're know you not going to have two of your main starters out there. Are you going to have to go to the bullpen early and try to use you know three or four guys a game every game, You know, try to give new looks? So it's going to be interesting to see what the managers do here. Uh, whether they're leaving pitchers in for seven, eight innings at a time, or if they do, you know, only give the starters, you know, three, four innings and try to save them for as uh, as long as they can, try to make, get them as many starts as they can. Uh, that's why I think it's going to be interesting to see who has the most wins at the end of the year, uh, pitching wise. And uh, what did you have the Royals at? 20, 23 and a half. 23 and a half. Uh, I, I can see that. I can see, I can definitely see them going over with, especially how you said their offensive firepower last year. They can score the runs. It's just, can the pitching hold up? And when, I mean, now you're looking at, you know, 23 out of 60 games. Can you get that win? 24, actually. I mean, I think, I think it's doable. Uh, it's definitely doable, especially when you look at the schedule. Uh, the one thing I really want to know is when you bring up the, the Houston Astros is, have you seen just in the preseason how many times they've been hit so far? Yeah, and it was a big story coming out today, the Kansas City Royals. We're obviously, we're on Tuesday recording this show, but today the Kansas City Royals played the Houston Astros in an exhibition game and a day game, and Jorge Lopez of the Royals hit both Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve back-to-back, -back, but... And it made obviously made a bunch of headlines hitting both those guys. Altuve but, swung, but the situation the situations that they, they weren't trying to hit him. Bases were loaded in both situations and both forced in runs. So to me that was just a fluke. But obviously everybody wants to make a joke out of it. And it was a it was a good punchline to be thrown around. But that's going to be a fun couple of things to watch without having fans in the stand as well. That's probably going to help the Astros for the simple fact that they won't be heckled on the road. They, I still think there is going to be a beanball coming in here in the near future. Oh, yeah. I think the next couple of weeks is going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of runners on base. And that's another reason when you look at the Astros, like you were saying, you like their over. I can definitely see that because they're going to have runners on because you know everybody, especially the teams that were in the, the postseason, those teams want a piece of the Astros. They, they want to send a message and let them know, hey, we haven't forgot. You know, all this stuff's going on with COVID and you think we forgot we didn't. And the teams like the Yankees, uh, the teams like uh, the Dodgers, you know those those players are waiting, waiting to get a piece of the Houston Astros. So I think that's going to be interesting, especially when it, it comes to the over-unders. Like you said, 
it could easily go over if they get runners on base and they win games by, you know, two or three runs just because of hit batters and walked batters. I think something people don't talk about enough with the Houston Astros as well, the firepower in their lineup. They don't have the biggest guys, but you look, you got Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman. And one thing I didn't realize last year, Alex Bregman hit 41 home runs last year. Yeah. And he is, if you look at Alex Bregman, they talked about it on the broadcast today. If you were walking down the street and you saw Alex Bregman, you would think, this guy is not a professional athlete just because he's not the biggest guy. But they've got guys that can hit a lot of home runs, a lot of firepower, and they're a team they do get on base a lot. So that's why I really do like the Houston Astros in that 35-and-a-half win total heading into this year. I, I mean, I, that's just my personal opinion, and I think a lot, I know looking at a lot of other people, they agree with me that that firepower in that lineup, and then that, obviously that starting rotation is still there as well. It's still in pretty good shape. Yeah, like you were saying, they're not not very big guys at all. Like, I mean, Jose Altuve, we talk about that guy all the time. I mean, he needs a ladder to reach the top of uh, his kitchen cabinets. He's five five, maybe and, on a good day. Yeah, if he jumps. And then you're, you know, you talk about Correa. He's a real small guy, but I mean, he's one of the best uh, shortstops in the league. Guy has a hose on him. And then you have some of your better outfielders uh, out there. George Springer, yeah, Springer. He's a stud. I, I love having Springer on my fantasy team every year if I can get him. You know, the guy hits home runs and he gets on base. He's one of those all-around players that you need. And like you said, they don't have the huge home run hitters and the guys that, you know, necessarily are, are flashy by any means, but they do have a solid team all the way around. And, I mean, as much as we hate them for what they did, the whole cheating scandal and whatnot, I mean – at one point, I mean, at some point you're going to have to let everything go and realize, you know, this is a good team and, you know, the MLB should have punished them. They didn't, and we just got to move on. So, again, Thursday, opening day of the Major League Baseball season, Yankees and Nationals, one game, Giants-Dodgers, the other game on Thursday and a full slate on Friday. Our hometown Kansas City Royals, they will open up on the road to the Cleveland Indians, 6-10 first pitch for that one on Friday. So, Major League Baseball gets underway coming up this weekend. Also, NHL coming up here in the next week or so, August 1st, is when the hockey season will open up. I know, Dustin, that's something you are really looking forward to with hockey being back and a chance for you to kind of get your expertise a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited for for NHL to come back. It's uh, starting up on August 1st. Right now we're in the middle of training camp and they're doing practices and scrimmages right now. Uh, it's... There's a lot of news coming out of a couple camps where they're having a trouble with the players. Uh, some of the players are talking about, you know, opting out for the season. And they don't – I mean, they have unexcused absences, but they don't have to explain their absences, if that makes sense, uh, because of the whole COVID deal. They don't have to have a reason for not showing up to camp. They, you know, they can just say, you know, COVID reasons. Or you don't know if they're injured. You don't know if it's actually COVID. Uh, if they're just, like, scared of COVID, maybe they just don't want to show up to training camp. Who knows? Uh, they don't have to have a reason. The NHL is being very lenient on that, and I completely understand. You know, some people have their own personal reasons. Other people, you know, you never know what they're up to. So uh, they're having a hard time, you know, getting some of these players to get in and actually participate in practices and scrimmages. So that's going to be an interesting uh, thing to look at while you're going up and trying to cap some of these games and series uh, here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, and I think looking at that with NHL, you just kind of mentioned that and didn't quite hit it all the, all the way on the head, but I'll go in more about it. But there's so much little stuff that I think is going to be even more important in not only NHL, Major League Baseball as well, guys that are playing, guys that get, you know, test positive for COVID, things like that. It's going to be an up to the almost up to the, you know, start of each game before you can really be 100% confident in what you're looking at. Yeah, and uh, they talked about it a little bit in the NBA as well. Uh, you can you never really know who's going to you know, when or who, you know, who's going to keep on moving on because you could have a whole team wiped out by, you know, one little outbreak. And then the next thing you know, 
you know, some of your main starters or even your first, second line that, you know, are the guys that are really getting you your uh, your power play goals and stuff like that, they're not there to carry on the weight. And then you have, you know, superstars playing against all right players or even above, just above average players, but they can't hold on. So some of these series are definitely going to be affected by, like you said, just uh, players, I mean, are they going to show up? Are they not? So, again, August 1st is when the NHL will get underway. And, Dustin, do you have any things you're looking at early on here in the season? Yeah, I got a, a couple things with the, the series prices in the um, uh, the beginning of the playoffs here. Uh, I'll just give just a few uh, that I I have my eye on. There, trust me, there's plenty of them out there to look at. Uh, and before we get started, again, the NHL going straight into the playoffs. So yep. there's no regular season games left straight into the playoffs on August 1st. Yep, and the – the playoff round that they're going into, the qualifying round, that's to basically qualify like the first through fourth seeds, and then everybody else is kind of playing it off to get, I, I shouldn't say into the tournament, but it's basically your top four seeds have a bye, I should say, but they're still playing to get those four seeds, and then everybody else is working on their own playoff bracket to get in to play those seeds. So that's kind of what you're looking at on, on both sides, both the, the east and west, so uh, there's just a, a couple that, like I said, I've, I've been looking at, uh, recently. The first I'm going to start with is, uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, that's a team that I'm looking at. If you, you want some value in the futures market, uh, you can get some of these teams that are already in the qualifying round for, I mean, six to one, eight to one to win the title. You can get the Winnipeg Jets right now at 40 to one. Uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about with the NHL, with it being suspended for so long a lot of these players that were injured are finally coming back and they're, I mean, they're fresh. They're getting, you know, two months to figure out what they want to do and get back to a hundred percent. So with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, they got three out of their four offensive lines are, are really good. Uh, they have one of the best, uh, goal keeps and Connor Hellenbuck, uh, dude's a stud. He, he should win keeper of the year this year. Uh, they had six forwards that were hurt and now they're all back. I think they're a team that can score a lot of points. They're great on the penalty kill and, uh, I really think they can take this from the Flames. They're a slight underdog. Uh, the Jets I see right now at uh, even money. What is that? Yep, even money, and the Calgary Flames are at minus 120. So if you want a team that's a bit of an underdog for even money, right there, I like the Winnipeg Jets over the uh, Calgary Flames in the first round. And you mentioned uh, how they had some guys back that were hurt earlier in the season. How much do you think people – it's not something you got to look at as far as kind of forgetting about what some of these teams did in the back – you know, couple. Well, it's been a few months now since they were able to play. How much do you really have to forget a, a, a somewhat? I mean, obviously, you're going to look at, you know, lineups and just overall – the type of players that each team has, but how much do you have to look back and kind of forget about what you saw a few months ago? Uh, I think it's huge because they're like I said, when there's players that went out like uh, for Edmonton or, or for Winnipeg, uh, excuse me, like Lowry and Perot, when they both went out, like those are two of their top forwards that they got. And when you have people like that go out, you have to keep moving people up in the lineup and you know, the chemistry gets affected. You eventually get to the point where, uh, you know, if you start losing some games, it becomes, you know, can we hold on and stay into the playoffs or can we hold on to the spot, the seed that we're in? And teams do start to get worried about that, especially if, you know, the playoffs would have played all the way through. There wasn't a COVID or anything like that. You know, some of these teams might have not had a shot or don't have a chance to really keep going. Like the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, when they had all their forwards out, uh, yes, they had the great goalkeeping of uh, Connor Hellenbuck, but you can goalkeeping is only going to keep you in so many games. Uh, you run across, you know, a juggernaut uh, like Tampa Bay, Boston, teams like that. I mean, they'll they'll kill you. Uh, there, there's not really much you can do, even if you have a great goalkeeper. And uh, 
like we said, I mean, you get these, you're starting to get these players back. They have plenty of time to basically go through another preseason straight into the playoffs. And I think that's one thing that's really going to show. So now NHL is still moving along. I know there's some a couple other things you're looking at with obviously again going straight into the playoffs with NHL. So it just means that much more starting right off. Right off. Is there anything else? You a couple other matchups that you look at as far as maybe being some big ones? Yeah, I'm gonna burn through these a little bit quicker because uh, I don't want to bore you guys with too much talk, especially if you're not you know familiar with the, the NHL atmosphere. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks we got plus 140 versus the Edmonton Oilers minus 170, and this, these are series prices, so you got to have them to win the series going to the next round. Uh, I like the Edmonton Oilers in this. The Oilers they're they're just they're a nasty team. They're they're nice. The Chicago Blackhawks they do have experience uh, with Jonathan Tays. Um, Patrick you know, Kane, Patrick Kane, yeah. a couple other players have have already have a Stanley Cup, so they are an experienced team. But they're not going to have Corey Crawford. He's their main goalkeeper, so they're going to have to rely on uh, Malcolm uh, Malcolm Subban. Uh, if you don't know Malcolm Subban, he's the brother of PK Subban. And if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan, sorry John, you know how inconsistent he can be when he's he's between the pipes. So uh, their defense is bad, and it's not going to help their goalkeeping. Uh, I really think, you know, the Oilers are going to pull away with this. I mean, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are arguably the MVP this year. Uh, that dude's elite. Uh, they got Mike Smith coming back. He's a veteran goalkeeper. Uh, I think this is going to go Edmonton in maybe four or five games. Uh, in a game-to-game, personally, I'm going to take the overs in this. I can see with Chicago's defense being so bad, the goalkeeping being terrible, and Edmonton being able to put up goals, I could see this being very, very high scoring. Uh, tons of goals on both sides. Yeah, so NHL, I mean, it, NHL, I feel like it's really an interesting thing looking at it with it starting straight into the playoffs after having such a long layoff. And I know you saw a couple more things to get to as well. So it, it, it just seems like it's an interesting thing with going straight into the playoffs. What are you looking at as far as another one here heading into the early portions of the playoffs? Uh, one of the main things I look at, uh, I start to look at the underdog teams and how they compare to some of the teams that are uh, heavily priced like one one team or one matchup that I'm looking at uh, that I'm really haven't picked a side at it's pretty even it's the Minnesota Wild and the Vancouver Canucks Wild are at plus 110 the Canucks are at minus 130 it's a little too close for me to really you know try to crunch numbers when you don't have that much data into but one that I do see where I see kind of a heavier underdog is the Arizona Coyotes at plus 115 uh, they're uh, going up against the Nashville Predators at minus 135 I like the Coyotes in this series, personally. Uh, I think the under in game-to-games, the under is going to be the way to go here. Uh, both defenses are really good, especially Arizona's. They're getting some of their top defenders on the blue line back. Uh, Darcy Kemper, they finally haven't had him most of the season. Before the before he got hurt, he was one of the better goaltenders in the league. Uh, so Darcy Kemper's a guy to watch out for for the Coyotes. Uh, that defense and that goalkeeping solid. I really think this is going to go under. Uh, Nashville, they really haven't surprised. I mean, impressed me this year. I mean, they're one of those scary teams that you, they don't really show up. Uh, Roman Josie's the only guy I can really say has showed me anything this year. Uh, the Predators, like I said, they're just they're not a team that you can just bank on day in and day out. And especially when you're hopping right into a series like this, you know things might have changed over this little preseason pregame before the the playoffs. But without Arizona was playing. Uh, before the layoff and then with their full defense coming back I really think that they're going to take this one so that's an underdog that I would definitely look at in some of these series so final thing here with the NHL give me one series you look at that you're really confident in and then one that you want to stay away from um one that 
I'm very confident in right now. Uh, we had talked, well, we had already talked about the Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. I know it's the Oilers is a, a tough price to take. You can get a minus 160 places, minus 170 places. But when you're looking at series prices, I mean, if you can parlay them, that would be the way to go. I really like the Oilers uh, in that. Another one, I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Montreal Canadiens, obviously they're minus 230. Uh, the Penguins are. So if you want to look at them, I mean, it's, it's a tough price to lay. If you can parlay it, those would be the two teams I would parlay just because I think they're going to blow both these teams out of the water. Uh, these underdog teams that we had talked about, I like those as well as with the Coyotes and the Winnipeg Jets. So those teams are the teams that I'm on. Uh, the ones that I would definitely stay away from is uh, right now the Florida Panthers and uh, the New York Islanders. Both the teams are at minus 105 to minus 115. What's weird about this, and it's going to be really hard to adjust to, is Florida's main strength is scoring, and New York Islanders, their main strength is defense. And then when you look at the opposite side, the New York Islanders' main weakness is scoring, but their Florida's main weakness is defense. So it really comes down to, you know, it's going to be hard to choose the over-under. It's going to be hard to choose, you know, do you want to choose the strength of one team or do you want to choose the weakness of the other team because they can't really – they, they they don't counter each other too much, you know. So, you know, scoring's good on one end, defense is good on the other end, or scoring's good on, or terrible on one end, the defense is terrible on the other end. So I think that's going to be really interesting uh, to match up with and look at. And I don't – personally, I want to stay away from the Florida Panthers and the uh, New York Islanders in the first round. So, again, the NHL set to start on August the 1st right into the playoffs. I know – I'm looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it. It should be a fun way to get sports back. So we're going to have a lot of exciting things right about beginning of August. We'll have Major League Baseball in full swing by then. Also have the NBA getting close to the playoffs there as well. NHL starting the playoffs. So it's going to be like getting back to normal a little bit. That's one thing I do love about the NHL and the NBA is they are kind of hopping right into the playoffs. I know the NBA has a couple games that they're going to play beforehand. But hopping right into playoffs, I mean, it gives that atmosphere back. Even without any fans, it gives you something to root for. Even if you're not fans of the, the two teams playing, you know that there's something on the line. It's not just a, a regular, you know, game, especially in the MLB we talked about, even the 60-game season. You know, game one, it's going to matter. And instead of, you know, you get a couple weeks into the season and you can kind of tell if teams are taking it off because they want to turn it on later or whatever. You can't do that in the MLB this year. So it's going to be interesting to see these uh, – all of these uh, sports coming back at the same time, especially these playoffs. It'll be interesting to see who gets, who starts the seasons hot and starts the playoffs hot as well. That'll be something really to look forward to. So a couple more things to talk about on this week's show here on The Degenerate. Let's go to the Premier League now. I know they're getting ready to wrap things up, and Dustin, you're big on the Prem, so what do you got? Uh, I like I like looking at the Prem. Uh, this year, it, I shouldn't say it was boring, but Liverpool ran away with this. Uh, I just wanted to name a couple things uh, in this. The Premier League, most teams only have one game. Some some of them have two two games left or matches uh, in England. Uh, when you look at it, the top four teams, they make it to the Champions League. Uh, the bottom two teams, for the most part, go to Europa. Uh, most of the time, they're not guaranteed those spots, but most of the time they give it to teams in the Premier League. Uh, just starting at the top of the board, we got Liverpool. They finished, well, barring their last game, they're 33-3 and on the year. Uh, so just absolutely tearing it up. They had 93 total points this year, followed by Man City, Chelsea, Leicester City, uh, Manchester United, and then we had the the Wolves finishing in uh, sixth place. There's like I said, there's still one or two games left, so that this could get mixed up just a touch. But points wise, you're looking at 93. City had 78. 
Chelsea had 63, Leicester City had 62, Man uh, United has 62, and the Wolves have 59. So those can get mixed up at the bottom of the board, uh, just depending on how the season ends. Uh, the main thing at the top that I'm looking at, though, is the teams that are right on that border from playing in the Championship League and the Europa with Man U and Leicester City, they still have one uh, match against each other, so that is going to be very interesting to see who wins that one or if they, they tie it out and draw, and then they have to go by goal differential. So basically what you're saying, it's Liverpool and everybody else. Uh, yeah, basically. Uh, Liverpool, they, they tore it up this year. Uh, I'll just go through their records real quick. Uh, they have 30 wins. 32 is the record. They only have one game left. They Once they lost their first game in like 17 matches, they finally decided to tone it down a bit. But they had so many records that they could have accomplished. If they would have won out, they could have finished with 107 points. Uh, 100, 107 total points. 106 was the record. And they had it in their sights. After, Like I said, after they lost one of their first games, they just they said, you know, we're done. Well, I mean, we've won 17 in a row. We can turn it down now. We're up by too many points. Uh, the outright win was uh, 19 points of victory. Uh, so whoever uh, – this happened in 2017, I believe it was Man City. Uh, they won by 19 total points in the Premier League for the whole season. Uh, say Liverpool wins and City uh, loses – they would only win by uh, 17 total points, so they wouldn't have the record there, but they were close. And they could have beaten away wins in a season with a record of 16. Uh, Man City actually had that. They had the chance to win 17, and they lost their uh, previous two uh, away matches. So they, they kind of threw that one away too. But like I said, they got to the point where they were up by so much and winning by a large amount that they were just like, we already have this wrapped up. They had this thing wrapped up before COVID even hit. Even hit. So... Liverpool, then everybody else, they're going to do damage in the, the Champions League, in my opinion. Uh, the main reason I want to talk about the Prem this week, John, was the bottom half. So if you guys don't know how the Premier League works, your bottom three teams go get relegated, which means they get bumped down to the lower league. The three highest teams in the lower league get bumped up, and they play a season there, and that's how relegation works. Well, <laughs> Norwich City, sorry, they have 21 points. They're gone. Uh, we'll see you next year, well, whenever you come back. Uh, Bournemouth, they're right at 31 uh, total points. They're probably gone too. Uh, I don't I don't really see them uh, winning their next match uh, at Everton this weekend. So this is interesting. Watford and Aston Villa. If, I, if we would have had this yesterday, I would have gave you guys this Aston Villa pick from my guy Nigel. Uh, Aston Villa was really trying to get out of relegation. They needed a win against Arsenal. They beat Arsenal today 1-0. Uh, it was crazy win. They scored in the 32nd minute. Uh, I got on them actually at plus 250. Uh, just in the match. It was awesome. They play West Ham, who's just above them. Uh, they have 37 points. And so West Ham, they're going to be safe. But they do play Aston Villa, two terrible teams. Aston Villa can win and completely knock, I mean, get themselves out of relegation 100%. Watford, on the other hand, they just took a 4-0 loss to Man City today. They got smacked, and they get to go play Arsenal on Sunday, who's not going to be very happy that they just lost to Aston Villa. So if Arsenal wants to be, you know, some friends to Aston Villa, they'll just get that win and bump them completely out of relegation. And you'll be looking at Watford, Burnmouth, and uh, Norwich City. Uh, the one thing that I do want to say, and I, we'll get to this later on my, my odd and evens, uh, Aston Villa, it's their first time that they have been out of relegation since February 28th. So they have been in the bottom three in the Premier League since February 28th. Finally got out today with one game to play. That's useful. Very useful. So talking about going to the last possible second. Oh, yeah. So the Premier League, again, that wraps things up for the Premier League. So a lot to talk about this week. 
on the degenerate. We've touched on quite a bit, but one final thing, let's go to was what one of our favorite things to do here on the degenerate. Odds and ends. Wrap things up here on another episode. Uh, so yeah, I'll just start odds and ends, John. I'll, I'll go one by one, and then just kind of get your your feedback or what you think about this. Uh, Arsenal. We had, we had talked about how Arsenal had just lost to Aston Villa. Uh, let Aston Villa get out of the bottom uh, half of relegation. Uh, Arsenal. This will be the first time they are out of the top six in the Premier League in the last twenty five years. Wow. I mean, that just shows how good they've been, though. I mean, that's why you can look at it two ways. One way you look at it, they shouldn't be out of it, and then you look at it, well, that shows how dominant they've been. Yeah, it looks like it looks like they are going to win this week uh, against Watford. Uh, they are heavy favorites, as they should be. Uh, but they are going to probably finish around ninth oh, or 10th in the Prem. But, yeah, 25 years, as long as I've been alive, they've always been in the top six. They've always been in either the Championship League or the Europa League. So I thought that was interesting for Arsenal. Aston Villa, uh, like I said, I had them today, uh, uh, plus 250. This is their first time out of relegation since February 28th. We just talked about that. I mean, do you talk about... By the hair of your chinny chin chin, getting to stay in the Premier League, uh, you know, keeping that keeping that power money for the next next year. By the way, humble brag, plus two fifty. You just got to keep throwing that out there a little bit. Huh? I had to, I had to. My man Nigel hit me. My man, my man Nigel hooked it up. I I seen it on Twitter, and I started doing some searching. And I was like, man, I I had to do it, especially against a team like Arsenal. You know, they they weren't gonna. I mean, they weren't really playing for anything. You have another team that's playing just to stay up in the Prem, so. I mean, a plus two fifty. You got to take those odds. I don't know who set those odds, but thank you for that. Right, and I mean that's one of those you have to kind of boast about. You don't get those very often. No, it's especially. I mean, by the time I got it, I looked at it twenty minutes later, and it was at plus two hundred. So so many people were hammering that. I mean, a lot of people follow uh, Nigel and a couple other guys that I know were all over this pick. So you, I mean, you look at it that way. It's nice to get in on the front end and not the back end. Even if you could get in and make some money, uh, it was nice. So if you had had Aston Villa, good for you. Uh, next thing we got, odds and ends. In the NBA, zero. Zero players tested positive for the COVID-19 in Orlando. There wow. was 346 players tested. Zero, zero total cases of COVID. That's huge. I mean, that's just huge for the NBA. Not only the fact that it makes them look better for go-ahead and starting the season, but also kind of it can make them look bad at the same point that they probably didn't get it started a little bit sooner. Yeah, and I think they're trying to set a precedent to show, you know, we are taking precautions because we want to play. We don't want to joke around here and, and mess around and prolong the season any longer. And talking about the NBA, too, you know, we, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they came out and they said they're going to have a snitch line to where, you know, if guys are outside <laughs> yeah. of the bubble or not following. See that where they had, like, 37 calls, I think it was, the first, like, week that they were down there in Orlando? Really? You talk about some guys that oh, like man. to snitch, huh? Well, i seen that they, the NBA is starting to crack down on there was the uh, all the players that were hopping on Skype or what's, what is it, Zoom now yeah. or whatever it's called. And they were all hopping on there and just shotgunning beers one after another because they, they were bored. Instagram Live, I think it was, too. Yeah, bored in, bored in the hotel room and they're in the hotel room bored. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the NBA obviously seen that stuff, but you know that they were taking precautionary measures. And even if they didn't punish those players, they did let them know, hey, you guys can't do this. We're trying to get the season going. If you guys keep doing this, you might not be able to play, and they settled down a little bit. Did you see the court setup they have for the NBA? Uh, I've seen one uh, kind of a – it looked like a huge like practice facility, but the, cool. the courts looked awesome. Yes. Well, <laughs> it so looked like the, they were top the, tier. The one that I saw, it's base, it almost kind of made you feel claustrophobic almost. But – and one thing I don't understand too with the NBA, so they're doing these testing so much on these guys that shows they don't have COVID – but yet on the bench they still have the seats for the bench players to sit six feet away. I don't, I don't understand that they're going to be out playing on the court, touching each other, and doing all that. And yet they still, even on the bench, they still want to 
sit six feet away. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't, I don't know. You might have different thoughts, and I might be going a little off my limb here, but that, that to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, I didn't understand that either, and it was the same that we talked about with the NFL. Uh, they're not letting players do jersey swaps yeah. and this and that, and like Richard Sherman came out and was very vocal about it, and there were people, you know, Richard Sherman's a clown. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, these guys are literally tackling each other and hitting each other as hard as possible for an hour-long game. Yeah. And you're going to sit here and tell me I can't trade my jersey? I mean, I don't think that's going to hold up. The first first week, what's going to happen? Players are going to switch jerseys. Yeah. What are you going to do? Tell them, find them? Like, yeah, go find Patrick Mahomes right. for that. He's got the money to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. He'll be fine, I think. Uh, next one we got up, uh, going back to the NFL, 2,618 players tested, only two positive. So that's that's really good when you talk about 2,600 players getting tested and only two positive Major League Baseball, I know, is pretty similar. I think they have like 0.1% of all the personnel and everybody, players, personnel, team, everybody that tested positive. So for the most part, professional sports looking really good right now as far as COVID numbers. Yeah. Uh, the NFL, they finally came to an agreement on testing. They're going to test everybody every day for the first two weeks. If the positive number stays and drops below 5%, they will move to every other day testing, which I think is is fine. Yeah. Um, I've never really understood the the testing on every single day because I, I know that can get very boring very quick. Uh, so I, I think that's what the players were getting at too, and they're like, hey, you know, if we can get the number down low enough, we don't want to be tested every single day. Did you see how much the NFL said they're going to spend on testing? No, I did not. $75 million they're going to spend on COVID testing. Whoa. So, Whoa. yeah. So that's a lot, but like someone said I saw on Twitter, that's an easy, like, 10% if even that of what the NFL is going to make on revenue. Yeah, especially with their TV contracts yes. and whatnot. I mean fighting with NBC, ESPN, yes. you know all these Fox, all these all these broadcasts, I mean stations are are fighting for it left and right. So I don't I mean that's just that's chump change yeah, exactly. for them, but I mean that's a lot to us. Uh next thing we got down the list, I don't know if you've seen this, uh Tyreek Hill, Chad Johnson and uh, Terrell Owens raced. Uh <laughs> Hold on, it's not Chad Johnson. No, it is Chad Johnson. Oh, he changed it, it back. Is, okay. Yep. It was, okay. used to be Chad Johnson. That's right. I Chad forgot Johnson he came now. back out. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Uh, I think if he was trying to make a Hall of Fame push and Chad Johnson sounded a little bit better than Ocho Cinco. Uh, but I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Tyreek Hill, he gave them a 10-step head, head start. You can't really tell from the video because whoever was recording it was at the starting line and not the finish line. Don't know why. Uh, but it, apparently Tyreek edged them out. Barely. They had a 10-step lead, which roughly about 10 yards. 100-yard dash, is that what it was? 100-yard yep. dash. Uh, they There was claims that Tyreek barely won. And then they raced in the 40-yard dash because the, the guys were talking that noise back and forth. I mean, all, all in good fun, but they were talking that talk. And Tyreek smoked them. Uh, it was, you watched the 40-yard dash when Tyreek's at the 10 while they're still getting off the starting line. Uh, it wasn't even close. I will say, though, I'll give Tio this. He's forty six years old. He kept he kept up with Tyreek pretty decently. He's forty six. Yeah. He is yoked. Yeah. I mean that guy is <laughs> absolutely huge. ripped. He looks like he could come out and play another year or two he's in the NFL. Huge. I think he could, or Chad Johnson could. I mean, yes. both those dudes. The thing that they had over Tyreek, which kind of scared me in this race a little bit, was just they were a lot bigger and they have a lot better strides. But with how fast Tyreek can chop him, I mean, he, like he said when he came out in the Pro Bowl last year and said, "I'll take on anybody," he wasn't playing. Uh, come meet him anywhere, anywhere he wants. I seen where Chad Johnson said that he wants to race Miko Hardman now. Uh, see if he can see if he can get him. So we'll see if we can well, get that in the mix. Sometime and the crazy, soon. The crazy thing with Tyreek Hill as well. They they on that forty yard dash said it was a four three seven forty. And if you watch the video, he slows up in the final probably ten yards. Yeah, he didn't care. Four three seven. 
Yeah. I mean, he knew he won. Just not just casual. A casual four three seven. Yeah. Tyree Kill's speed is out of this world, and there's a reason why he's a ninety nine <laughs> overall speed in Madden. Yeah, they they should have a hundred. And even if I mean, if you get him at an ultimate team card that had a hundred speed, they should at least allow that because he's the fastest guy that the NFL's ever seen. I don't care what anybody says, and that's not just me being a Chiefs fan. That's me just watching somebody in person fly down a football field. You're not catching him. Right. With a, you might need a very fast car if you were an average human and wanted to catch him. I'm surprised, though. Tyreek Hill's been putting out a bunch of videos of him playing basketball with the KU men's basketball team with a lot of players from that team. I'm surprised that it hasn't been a stop to that. There was a, I, I big, was the there was a big stop to Patrick Mahomes playing basketball, but for Tyreek Hill to not only play but play against guys at a high level, I'm, I'm really surprised Brett Veach and Andy Reid haven't put a stop to that. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I just I know he's taking his workouts to a whole different regimen this year. He went uh, right now. He's I think he's down to like two or three percent body fat. Which I mean, if you look at Tyreek Hill, like dude is stacked now. Like he used to be, you know, a little bit smaller, just real fast, and now he's really putting the weight and putting the muscle on. He doesn't look like a wide receiver. He looks like no. a running back right. if you see him without pads on. So. Uh, like you said, I'm, I'm a little surprised because basketball is one of those sports you can injure your ACL or any, something like that way, way quicker than you can in any other sport. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to work out the way he wants to work out. He should probably just leave the cameras outside of the gym Yeah. Uh, so Andy don't yell at him. Uh, last two things I got for you, Johnny, some random facts to end the day. Uh, MLB umpires, in, the, in their uniform, they're required to wear black underwear in case their pants rip in the middle of the game. They can't change them. They have to wear black underwear under. That's genius. I look at that's, it. That's genius. It's a lot. It's smart. I, I learned that today. I thought that was very interesting. But the MLB doesn't allow them to go change between innings. So if they rip their pants, they have to have black underwear on so that it doesn't look like they can just you know see their their undies. Fun, funny joke actually. Comedian used to tell a joke. Be kind of the same similar situation of a of a leader on a cruise ship that he would always wear a red shirt so in case he got shot, his guys wouldn't be able to tell that he was bleeding. Hmm. Same situation. I mean, yeah. obviously, completely different. Uh, but it's pretty smart, though. Pretty similar. Uh, last random fact of the day to uh, close up on ends uh, from KU. Don't know how many of you guys in, in Chiefs Nation are, are KU fans as opposed to K-State fans or Mizzou. Uh, but this is going back to our uh, KU boy, uh, Wilt Stilt Chamberlain, never fouled out of a basketball game. Wow. High school, college, NBA, never fouled out of a basketball game. Wow. He must. The referees really must have liked him. That's hard to do. I, uh, one thing that I just thought of was nobody else was as tall as him, so he could just literally just jump up and grab the That's ball, true. and you can't really call him over the back on him because he's going above you, not behind That's you. That's true. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, only player in KU basketball history to never fell out of a game. That Love it. actually played all the time. So. Love it. So that'll wrap up things here on another episode of The Generate. We had a lot of fun today. A lot of things we touched on. Chris Jones, Major League Baseball, NHL, Premier League, and obviously our odds and ends. But Major League Baseball set to get underway on Thursday again. Yankees, Nationals, Giants, Dodgers. NHL coming up on August 1st. Also NBA coming up in a week as well. Sports coming back. And we can't wait to enjoy the ride along with you here on The Generate. So that'll wrap things up for Dustin Gosa. I'm Johnny Kane. Thanks for listening here to The Generate on the Arrowhead Live podcast, arrowheadlive.com.